episode of Community Matters Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss issues important to managing and governing condos, cooperatives, and homeowner associations. My name is Tony Campisi, Executive Director of the Keystone Chapter Community Associations Institute. This is our first episode for 2022, and our topic today is legislation. We're in the middle of a very active legislative session in Harrisburg, and CAI's Pennsylvania Legislative Action Committee is currently tracking 34 pieces of legislation that could potentially impact community association operations in the Commonwealth. We'll talk about some of these bills today with my guest, Ed Hoffman Esquire, CCAL, with Hoffman Law. Ed currently serves as the chair of CAI's Pennsylvania Legislative Action Committee, and I should explain that CCAL indicates that Ed is also a member of the College of Community Association Lawyers. Ed, welcome to Community Matters Podcast, and please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Hey, Tony. Uh, Good to be here. Happy New Year. Uh, First of all, new year, new opportunities for all of us. Um, As you said, I am the the founder of Hoffman Law LLC. We're a community association law and litigation firm. We have offices in Lehigh Valley Poconos area, as well as the greater Philadelphia area. Uh, and we do everything from soup to nuts for associations, uh, governing documents, litigation, collections, you name it. If it's part of the association world, we'll handle it. Uh, so thanks for having me on today. Uh, I know my hat, even though I'm not wearing a hat uh, and the people listening to this don't see a hat, my hat today is the, uh, as the LAC chair, Legislative Action Committee chair, uh, to talk about some of this legislation. And um, 30 some bills is a lot of bills to keep track of, Tony. It is. Fortunately, we have a service that uh, helps track that for us. But before we get started, I would like to acknowledge the sponsor of today's episode, KPI2 Enterprises. KPI2 has been providing roofing, siding, and similar type capital improvement projects and contractor services to the multifamily industry for over 15 years. Learn more on their website at www.kpi2inc.com. So Ed, as I noted, there are a number of bills, uh, 34 to be precise, that are being tracked by our legislative service, including some bills that CAI has been advocating for in the legislature. One of those bills is House Bill 731, and it's what we refer to as community association data transparency. What's the purpose of this legislation? Sure. Uh, so House Bill 731 is, is, the, is the data transparency bill. And um, the purpose of that is essentially almost, well, let me rephrase that. It is exactly what it sounds like. Uh, the transparency that's being sought here relates to communities and where they are and how many there are. Uh, we don't have a grasp on exactly how many communities there are in Pennsylvania, nor do we know where all of them are. And I think some of this came to light when there was uh, uh, the issue with Eric Frine up north uh, with, with the state police, if you remember that from a few years ago, and there were some communities and there were, that were involved 
uh, on the periphery of, of where he was. And there were issues with respect to where these communities were. Uh, that's a public safety issue. So one of the things that this, this legislation is important for is safety, right? Other reasons that we like this kind of bill are communication. It allows us as an industry, uh, CAI specifically, as well as everyone else to communicate with the associations and bring them into the loop on things. Uh, education is critical for community associations. Uh, if they don't, if they're not involved and they don't know uh, what's out there, they're not getting educated, the boards aren't getting educated. Uh, so it's important to have this data transparency. Um, the, the premise here is initially when developers create from the land development and subdivision standpoint, when they create the community, they file a declaration concurrent with that, they would have to uh, provide information to a database with respect to the creation of the planned community or condominium association or whatever they were forming. Uh, that way it would go into at least a, hopefully a countywide database statewide would be optimal, but you know, baby steps, uh, probably baby steps first, beggars can't be choosers, but at least at the county level, if we have that type of database, uh, we're able to, to track community associations and uh, communicate with them. So I think it's important that we note here that this bill um, actually came about as a result of a study that was undertaken by the Joint State Government Commission way back in 2010 at the direction of the legislature. Right. And I raise that because we're often criticized by opponents of the bill, which um, include county governments, that um, this is unnecessary. This is a, a way for CAI to pad its membership list. Um, this wasn't our idea. This was actually the state government saying, hey, you know what? This data doesn't exist. Right. And it probably should exist because it would help the state better manage and respond to the issues concerning community associations. Right. Well, obviously, it would help government uh, with respect to what their obligations are as well to the to the residents. And, uh, you know, whether they're residents of the community or otherwise, it would it, the tremendous benefit to the government is. Uh, again, public safety, 911. Uh, 911 systems, by the way, uh, were an issue years ago as well. And I remember uh, discussing this exact bill even back then with respect to the 911 systems. So the irony, Tony, is even though it, the genesis of the bill was way back in 2010 uh, or so, um, this bill has been punted around throughout the legislature. The current status of the bill, uh, I think four or five sessions now, right? Uh, current status of the bill is it was referred to the House Urban Affairs Committee back in uh, March of 2021, and it's still sitting there. Uh, so there's not a lot of movement on this bill. Um, this bill isn't really, in, in my opinion, very controversial. It's not a money grab in any way. Uh, I know some of the pushback on the municipal level is it's going to create extra work. I put that in air quotes. That's going to create extra work, but essentially the developers are going to be the ones charged with doing the work to list the associations. And then at the government level, the, the requirement will be to keep that database. 
So uh, it's a good bill and, and CAI still supports it. So, um, and the LAC is still obviously trying to see if this bill can, can push through, but it's been, it's been almost a year and we, we have nothing happening just yet. Well, hopefully we'll get that through before the end of this session. Another bill that CAI has supported in multiple legislative sessions is House Bill 1924, and that deals with homeowner associations, contributions, tax equity, yep. uh, which sounds like a complicated subject. What, what exactly is tax equity and what would this bill accomplish? So there's been a uh, number of iterations of this bill uh, since its inception or even predecessor. I think there was a predecessor bill. Uh, and the premise here is to, to kind of boil it down to its core is uh, to eliminate double taxation. And what I mean by that is uh, community associations, members or residents in community associations are not only members of the association paying assessments to the association for services provided by the association. They're also paying taxes to the local municipality for services that aren't provided sometimes, many times, uh, by the municipality. So the municipality gets a pass, meaning they get the tax money, but they don't have to come in, they don't have to plow snow. Um, they, don't, they don't have to uh, remove trash. They don't have to do things that they would do in a non-community association setting, even though they're still getting the tax dollars from the residents, right? So. Uh, the prior iteration of this bill, there, I, if, if I remember correctly, there was a tax credit to be provided or rather uh, offered to residents of community associations to take on their PA state taxes. Uh, my guess is Department of Revenue didn't like that. That issue, I think, has gone away entirely in the current iteration of the bill um, is one that essentially... Uh, it would require municipalities to provide services, the actual services in the associations, or reimburse communities for the actual cost that they're paying for the services. Um, this one's a tough sell. Uh, that is in, in the prior comment I made about uh, 731, where it, it's not a, a real hot topic contested thing because there's not a lot of money involved. This is a lot of money involved here. Uh, municipalities would have to essentially pay uh, or reimburse, do the work or pay and reimburse the associations for the work. Um, I think it's a tough sell. I don't know what the chance this kind of bill is actually going to get through as written. Presumably there's something there uh, with a tax equity situation that, that uh, and in between that can, that can happen. But as it's written now, I think it, I don't think it would ever get passed this way. Um, it's actually sat in urban affairs since September of 2021, uh, not moving. Obviously, CAI supports the bill. I think it's a great idea to, to give owners some sort of benefit. Uh, but, you know, the thing that it runs contrary to is the, the whole premise of subdivision land development. The approvals are provided by the municipality initially. Uh, with respect to what the associations are going to be responsible for. So it would have to, there would have to be some, uh, probably some MPC work there that would have to occur if this thing were ever to see the light of day. 
And let's talk about the subject that no one wants to talk about anymore, and that is COVID-19. Um, Senate Bill 273 deals with COVID-19 liability for many different organizations and businesses in Pennsylvania, including community associations. Similar legislation became law in a limited capacity in New Jersey in 2021. And I say limited capacity because that law actually expired on December 31st at midnight 2021 and was not renewed. Can we expect the same this year in Pennsylvania, any kind of COVID liability legislation um, passing the legislature that would give community associations some level of protection against lawsuits from someone claiming that they got sick either in the clubhouse or in the game room or whatever the case may be? Um, so this bill is essentially a tort, a tort liability shield bill um, and specific to COVID uh, and, and transmission or uh, infection with COVID. Uh, I'd love to be able to answer your question that you just asked. Are we gonna see something like this pass in Pennsylvania in 2022? Uh, I think the answer is no. I don't, I don't think there's a chance that this sees or gets passed. I don't think Governor Wolf would sign this bill. Um, and I'm not, I'm not getting political in any way, uh, but you know, traditionally democratic, uh, democratic governors and tort reform aren't, aren't on the same page. Tort reform is typically a business type of thing. Um, that being said, uh, it was signed for, it was enacted for six months in New Jersey, uh, rather it was effective six months in New Jersey. And then it, it had a sunset provision, as you said, it ended December 31st. And the reason for that is because the, uh, governor is, you know, was running for reelection. So uh, it's a, it's a tough, this is a tough bill. Uh, anytime that you're, you're dealing with, um, with uh, putting a liability shield up for any kind of tort. So tort reform is, forget associations, in general, tort reform is a very difficult topic. Uh, part of my practice is doing insurance defense for associations. And um, there's been a myriad of tort reform bills, comparative negligence bills, uh, contributory negligence, uh, statutes, bills, case law, and it's always going back and forth depending what political climate we're in. So uh, simple answer, make a really long lawyer answer short. I don't think it's going to happen. So interestingly, uh, you mentioned Governor Wolf wouldn't sign it. This bill actually did pass the legislature, if you'll recall, a year ago, over a year ago, I believe, in, in mid-2020, right you know, at the outset of the pandemic. I think it was maybe towards the end of 2020. Um, it did pass the legislature, and Governor Wolf vetoed it, I believe. If I remember correctly. So I would agree. I don't think that that's going to become law in Pennsylvania, although who knows, we shall see. Right. Um, listen, strange, listen, strange things happen as we've seen the last two or three years, right? That's true. Yeah. <laughs> and as you know, not all pending legislat uh, legislation has the support of CAI and the Legislative Action Committee. Uh, House Bill 1840 deals with real estate disclosure and the LAC strongly opposes this bill as it's currently written. Can you tell us why? Well, um, 1840 is uh, kind of duplicating 
what uh, already exists. And what I mean by that is um, the common interest community statutes, whether they're the, the Condo Act, the Planned Community Act, or, the, or even the Real Estate Cooperative Act in Pennsylvania already deal with this issue through the resale process. Um, owners are provided with an opportunity to uh, get the documents and review them and then a right of rescission uh, in accord with the statute for a few days before they sign on the dotted line. Uh, this, this bill, I think the intent there is consumer protection, I, according to if you read what the drafters or the, the sponsors of the bill rather uh, provide, it's consumer protection, they claim it's a consumer protection issue. Uh, I think invariably it's going to cause um, the, it's a disclosure requirement and it's already there, but I think it's going to cause uh, confusion with, as, with respect to um, what's going to be required after the fact. And I think it may lead to conflict with the current statutes that we have in the association world. Uh, and at the end of the day, that's gonna end up in litigation. So whenever you have two competing statutes and someone can hang their, their hook or uh, hang a hat on the hook with respect to one that might benefit them, they're gonna use that and say that it, this is the one that controls and not the other one. So our position with that is it's, you know, to boil it down, I think it's unnecessary. I think the position is it's unnecessary. We don't need it. We already have something there. Uh, if we didn't have something, then, you know, there'd be some merit to it with, with some cleanup. But I think this bill is not good for our industry. Well, we will keep an eye on it. Another bill that is strongly opposed by the Legislative Action Committee has to do with voting procedures in community associations. This is a sensitive topic. Uh, House Bill 1795, which was introduced by Representative Rosemary Brown, who was the chair of the House Urban Affairs Committee this session. Uh, the bill would, if adopted, have a significant impact on voting and elections in community associations. Um, tell us, if you can, Ed, the provisions of this bill and why is the lack so strongly opposed to it? Well, it's, it's a fairly lengthy bill. Um, and we'll, I guess, to We'll talk about, we'll carve out what some of the big problems are with the bill and what have already been identified by CAI um, and are, you know, things that are, that are being worked on right now between CAI uh, and, and Rep Representative Brown. Um, things that we're discussing are uh, the penalty provisions that are involved with respect to uh, what happens if there's an election. Uh, and things don't go the way they're supposed to go. Penalty provisions are very punitive in nature. Um, I think it's criminal action, jail time, possible jail time. Uh, and by the way, there's already laws on the books that you can't run a fraudulent election. You can't, you can't do that. People have already gone to jail for that uh, in Northern Pennsylvania. So this bill, uh, one of the other things that's a big problem, and this is something that we've discussed for a while, the expense that would be involved for hiring uh, an entity or a person to come in and tally the votes and act like a judge of elections um, for communities that are small. Uh, the initial proposal was for a fairly small number of communities uh, 
I think our position is if if something like that were to apply, it should apply to much larger communities that have the financial infrastructure to support that type of expense. What I mean by that is uh, the law listed like a CPA to come in and do the count or or monitor the election. CPAs uh, can charge you know two, three, four thousand dollars, sometimes five, depending on how much work is being done for this type of work. Uh, it's it's a problem in a lot of different ways. Financially, it would have a massive impact on small communities. Um, so I, I know that. Tony, I know that there has been a lot of discussion directly with Representative Brown, correct, uh, and and uh, trying to work out something on this bill. Uh, I think the bill has good intentions. I just think that that some of the some of its onerous in, in, in some ways for community associations. So, um, what are, what are your current thoughts on this one? Well, the lack is opposed to it. I don't think that's going to change, to be honest with you, unless there are significant more amendments to address uh, the concerns that you just laid out, especially the, the criminal right. uh, uh, penalties. As you noted, there are people in jail already from the right. Poconos who have uh, done what this bill is designed to prevent. And so we got people in jail already. Kind of doesn't make sense that we need more laws to uh address the situation when we already have adequate laws on the books that have already sent people to jail obviously right. you know we we don't want there to be fraud in any kind of election in a community right. association um it's already illegal right already, so we'll you know illegal. we'll see we continue to have conversations with representative brown about this and, right. and hopefully there will be some additional amendments the other thing that that cai has asked for um, and has become particularly important during the last two years during the, the public health crisis, um, specific legislation, which could, in, could be incorporated into this bill, House Bill 1795, um, specific legislation that would authorize um, electronic meetings and electronic votings in community associations outside of a, an emergency situation. Right. Um, you've seen that your communities you represent communities that are members of CAI are meeting electronically via Zoom, probably still doing that, right. or maybe went back to in-person meetings and maybe have now reverted back to Zoom again right. during this current surge. So we've asked for those provisions. Um, that's that's something our has been talking about um, that even started pre-pandemic. So you know, ho hopefully we'll see an amendment that may address that concern as well. Right. And one thing that we've learned from the pandemic um, is, you know, you get more turnout on Zoom than you do in person, typically. And that's not only just for for members meetings, it's also for board meetings. Uh, it's just easier, easier to deal with. So being forced to be on it kind of led to the discovery that it, it's very efficient for associations to utilize utilize technology. The problem is that the bylaws in most communities the meeting provisions don't have any any remedy for that or any, uh, any any opening to allow that to happen because they tell you they have to be they either say in person or they say uh, at a location uh, you know convenient to the owners of the board etc. So um, and then the other issue is electronic voting. Uh, there's typically nothing in almost every set of bylaws 
that exists, uh, you know, maybe the last two or three years, they, people started to think about that, depending on the developer who is uh, drafting them. Uh, I know when I draft bylaws from scratch now, or I do amended and restated bylaws, I put, I put all of it in. I put voting provisions in, electronic voting, and I make it, I make it fairly specific. Uh, I make it generic, but I also make it specific. So there's no, you know, no mistake that this is, this is what you can do. So good point. Well, and again, we will continue to monitor that bill and, and report back on, uh, on its progress. Um, Ed, is there anything else before we wrap up? Any other bills we didn't talk about that you think our listeners might uh, need to hear some information about? Uh, I, I guess solar. 826, Senate Bill 826. Um, it's not a hot it's not a hot button bill for, for the lack. Uh, solar bills typically aren't uh, in our world because a lot of times there's not a, a big chance that these bills are ever going to see the light of day. Uh, I, I wrote that article recently for community assets where I laid out some some thoughts on solar. Uh, I think it's important for us as an industry to think about it and keep track of this type of legislation because uh, what I see is an evolution in the, in, the, in the legislation that's being proposed. And what I mean by that is with every iteration that comes out of, of such legislation, um, it, it's evolving and changing to impact more than what initially was thought. And what I mean by that is initially it was single family homes that really was the, the subject of this type of legislation the last or the most recent iteration, uh, Senate Bill 26, also includes uh, attached units uh, as part of it as well. And the premise of all these bills historically is you can't, the associate, associate, the legislation seeks to tell associations they can't stop or prevent people from putting up solar. Uh, they can have reasonable restrictions and it'll identify what those are, but it's all because associations typically don't want it and boards don't like it. They don't like the way it looks. They think aesthetically, it doesn't look right. They don't want it facing the front maintenance issues, logistics. There's a lot of stuff that's involved with it. Uh, but eventually it's going to get, it's coming and we're, it's going to, they're going to shove it down our throat one way or another someday. Cause it's not an issue that's going away. Um, solar, EVs, all of it is all related. Uh, so I think we need to get in front of it. It's the only reason I'm bringing up this bill now. Uh, I think, you know, it's something we shouldn't forget about. That's true. That's an important topic. It does keep coming up. So uh, it's something we're, we'll, we are likely to continue to, uh, to keep discussing with the Legislative Action Committee. Ed, thank you for joining me today for this episode of Community Matters Podcast. The advocacy work that CAI's Pennsylvania Legislative Action Committee performs is critical. Getting the message out to community associations and homeowners in Pennsylvania is important in order for CAI to fulfill our mission and to successfully advocate on behalf, on behalf of our members. So thanks for joining me, Ed. And uh, once again, thank you to this episode's sponsor, KPI2 Enterprises. Learn more on their website at www.kpi2inc.com. For more resources and best practices on managing and governing your condominium, cooperative, or homeowners association, please contact CAI or visit our website at www.caikeystone.org. Thanks for listening.